Good to see everyone. Grab your Bibles, as Robert said. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'll get there in a minute. We're starting a new message series, as he said, called When God Thinks of You. And the title this morning is When God Thinks of You, He Thinks Treasure. So turn to somebody close to where you're sitting and say, You are God's treasure. Now turn again and say it with conviction. You are God's treasure. I want to focus our minds this morning on the truth about treasure and the way God thinks about this because God knows all about you. He knows everything there is to know about you and he wants you to know that you are his treasure. Now, I think it's really important for us to meditate on that. We're going to focus on that for a few minutes this morning and I think it's even more important that every time God says something to us, we agree with him. Anybody else agree with that? We need to agree with what God says about us. We don't, we don't need to be talking about how we think about ourselves or how someone else might think about ourselves. We need to understand that when God says, you are my treasure, we need to say, you're right, God. We, need to say, we just need to agree with what God says to us. God gets very clear in his word about telling us to put him first. We're going to talk about why he says that. But it has all to do everything to do with relationship he knows that he has put us first and when we put him first with our tithes and offerings with our time with our talent when we put him first that's why we gather on the first day of the week on Sunday to give him the first day of our time every week when we put him first it reconnects us in relationship it grows our relationship with him. Jesus made this very clear in his teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Seek him first. Anybody remember the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The very first one of the Ten Commandments, God tells us, put him First, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He said, I've rescued you. For us in the modern day world, he has rescued us from a life of sin, from slavery to sin. He's rescued us. Now we are his. We're his sons and his daughters. He goes on to say, therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. Put God first and only God first. He tells us again to return the first tenth of our income to him. Why? Because he knows that's what we treasure. We'll talk more in a minute about the fact that he knows that our hearts are going to follow our treasure. Two kinds of treasure I want to talk about this morning. The first one, if you're following along in your notes, you can take, take this down. The treasure, the first kind of treasure I want to talk about is the treasure of the kingdom of God. What does God tell us that he treasures in his kingdom? Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bibles turned there, there are seven parables that Jesus tells us in that chapter. 
And as you know, probably know, a parable, the, the word parable means to throw alongside. When Jesus is teaching in parables, he's teaching a truth that he wants us to know, and then he throws alongside an analogy or an example or a truth that will help us illuminate the truth that he's teaching. In Matthew chapter 13, there are seven of those parables. When you get to verse 44... One of those parables is one of the few parables in the Bible that only has one verse. And he's wanting us to understand the way he thinks about us in this parable. Matthew chapter 13, 44, it says, Jesus is speaking here, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, there's a traditional meaning to this parable, but I think that the traditional meaning that is, is often taught is, actually, I don't think it's accurate. Because if you read all of Matthew 13, and you read all of the parables that Jesus, and you put this all in context, you begin to understand what God is talking about when he's talking about treasure. Read all of Matthew 13. I invite you to do that. And ask yourself the question, what is God talking about when he talks about treasure? Here's what I think he's talking about. The treasure, the, the traditional teaching is that the treasure is the kingdom of God. The problem with thinking that in this particular parable is, if that were true, then you could hide the treasure, you could find the treasure, and you could buy the treasure. But you can't do that, right? You can't hide the kingdom, we can't find the kingdom, and we certainly can't buy the kingdom, right? Anybody here buy, can buy the kingdom? No, no, we can't do that. So that's why I don't think that's why this, this is what this parable is talking about. I mean, after all, God finds us, doesn't he? We, we get to be the ones who get found. Often we say to someone, have you found God? That's really the wrong question. The question we need to be asking is, have you allowed God to find you? And when God found you, did you, did you allow him to welcome you and adopt you? Did you allow him to forgive you? Did you allow him to give you his grace? Have you received rescue? That's the answer. That's the question we need to be asking. It's God, that, all the way back to the beginning of time, if you look at the Bible and look and see what happens in Genesis, when Adam and Eve were hiding from God after they'd fallen from sin. God went looking for them, didn't he? He said, Adam, where are you? And ever since then, God has been looking for us. He's the one that looks for us. He finds us. Why? Because we are his treasure. I don't know if some of you probably have played golf. I was just talking to Stan just a few minutes ago about playing golf. And, uh, and, and other sports for that matter. Every once in a while, for those of us who play uh, as novices and play sports as novices, there's a saying, kind of some trash talk that goes on when guys and maybe women too are playing golf or, or another sport. And that is when somebody hits a really good shot and they're sort of basking in the glory of that shot, everybody stands around and goes, oh, hey, well, don't, don't get a big head. Even a blind squirrel finds a, finds a nut every once in a while. So don't, 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 get, don't get too impressed with yourself. The point is, 
as people, we are the ones that are blind, and we're like blind squirrels looking for a way to survive. It's God that finds us. We don't find him. That's the way this works. Remember the song, Amazing Grace? Remember the words in the song that say, I once was lost. Well, sing it with me. But now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. That's the way it works, isn't it? We're the ones that are blind. We're the ones that are lost. God finds us. Why? Why does God want to find us? Why does he want to find you? Why does he treasure you? It's because he, find, he wants to find you because you are his treasure. In this parable, this one verse parable that Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, in the parable, the field is the world and all the people on the planet. The man in the parable is Jesus and the treasure is you. In almost every parable, when Jesus talks about a man or a person, it's almost always either represents us or it represents God. In this parable, the man is Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave up everything to purchase you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You are not your own, it's saying. We are, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. The price was the life of Jesus, my Savior. That's what God's done for us. And he's done that so that we could be in his kingdom because we are his treasure. He has proven that we are his treasure over and over and over. You read it in his word. You watch what he does. You listen to his word for you and experience his love for us. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are his treasure. Notice in the parable, God bought the field. He's already paid the price for every person. He treasures the whole world and he treasures you. A lot of people think God is a mad, mad, angry God holding a club ready to club us when we step out of line. That's not who God is at all. God's not mad. Remember John 3, 16? That's a passage of scripture almost everyone knows. For God, you want to say it with me? So love the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe would have everlasting life. God loves and God gives out of his love. He isn't angry at the world. He loves the world. God's already made it possible through Jesus to reconcile the whole world to himself, and he does it because we are his treasure. Let me ask you a question. How much are you worth? You know how to tell something, what, how much something is worth is it's how much will somebody pay for it, right? We have a piece of property out near where we live. In fact, it's, right, it's a piece of property right next door to Hope Ranch for Women. There's 20 acres, nice home on it. It's going up for auction in about two weeks. So Saturday the 25th, when it goes up for auction, we're going to learn that morning what that property is worth, aren't we? Because it's going to be worth what the price that the highest bidder is willing to pay. That's how we know what something 
is worth. Now, sometimes in our world we get worth and true value mixed up with financial worth. I grew up in a small town of all about uh, 1,400 people. That's where I went to high school. I grew up on the farm and so a small community and went to school there. And, and so everybody knows everybody in a small community like that. There, were, there was one wealthy family, very wealthy family in that community. They owned the bank. They owned the feed store, the fertilizer store. They owned the, the, you know, the gas station. They pretty much owned the primary enterprise in town. And every, a lot of times people in, in town would sort of hold them in some sort of high esteem, like they were more valuable than everybody else. And I, learned, I, I got to know their children and their grandchildren, and I, I realized in spending time with them, these are just ordinary people. So I grew up not being impressed or intimidated by people who have a large net worth financially on their balance sheet. And then when Kathy and I answered God's call in our lives to ministry, and we moved from Missouri to Florida to go to school, and we started interacting with people who went to Haiti on a pretty regular basis. And we went to Haiti one time, and we interacted with some of the poorest people on the planet and watched them, many of them serve God and serve people that many people have forgotten. And we realized, you know, God gave us the, the ability to have, be very comfortable around people who have zero next to their net worth on their financial balance sheet. So God was reminding us in our growing up and in our preparation for ministry a very important truth. And that is your value has nothing to do with your financial net worth. Can I say that one more time? I know we all know this, but do we really believe it? Do we live like this is true? Do you live with the truth of the reality that you are God's treasure and it has nothing to do with your degrees, your diplomas, your, your, your credits, your experience, your financial net worth? It has everything to do. You know what you're worth? You know what you're worth? You are worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you're worth because that's what got paid for you. Why? Because you are God's treasure. That's what you're worth. You are worth what somebody was willing to pay for you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, I was thinking this week about what God does when he looks for us. I was thinking uh, about what we often used to do on the farm when I was growing up and when Kathy and I first got married. In the spring of the year, we would always go mushroom hunting. Anybody ever been mushroom hunting? If you ever you look at me going, Pastor, mushrooms, really? That's no, not that kind of mushrooms. Uh, so, you know, stay with me here. This is a different kind of, actually, put a, put a picture. This is a, that's a big mushroom. They're, they're usually not nearly that big. That's a morel mushroom that grows in the spring of the year in certain conditions, usually in the woods, and uh, they, actually, they actually grow here in Kansas. They're, anybody ever had a morel mushroom? They're amazing, aren't they? They're wonderful to eat. And we always used to go looking for them, and they're very difficult to find because you're actually you're usually not looking in conditions like this. Uh, they're in you know around various 
places that would be difficult to see them. And usually we would, we would take my, I'd go out with my sister, my parents, my little brother who's 10 years younger than I am. And almost always he would find, my little brother would find the first one. I usually say, yeah, it's because you're closer to the ground. And, and he would find, and after he would find the first one, we would all just stop. And then we'd look around. And then after we saw one, we could begin to see more. And the reason we were able to see more is because now we knew what we were looking for. Our brains were all tuned in on what we were, and all of a sudden, mushrooms began to just, we could see them and began to pick them, and then we'd take them back home and have an amazing meal together. Now, why am I telling you a story about mushrooms? It's because you find what you're looking for. And you need to know, listen carefully, you need to know that when God looks for you, he knows what he's looking for. He knows what you look like. He knows where you've been. He knows everything you've done. He knows what's in your past. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And God looks for you because you are his treasure. And when he looks for you, he finds you. And for us, friends, for you and me, our, our choice, our part is the being found. We need to allow ourselves to be found. We need to allow ourselves to believe what God says when he says you are his treasure. We need to agree with him and we need to receive his grace and his adoption and know that you are his treasure. It's really the reason we do what we do here at Eastside. That's why Pastor Robert, who was just talking a minute ago about taking 27 middle school students to camp this week, that's why he and several other adults would leave their families all week and get very little sleep all week and spend time with middle school students all week in a camp because every one of those students is a treasure. They are God's treasure. That's why when many of you, and I thank you for doing this, when many of you serve in children's ministry here at Eastside, you come early and you pray together, you prepare and you lead children and students, you do that because it's God's treasure you're caring for and leading and loving and helping to learn more about Jesus. That's why many of you gather together and pray. That's why many of us give of our tithes and offerings because we're completely devoted to God. We've received the reality and the truth and we're living in the, in the wonder of being the treasure of God. So the first kind of treasure is the treasure of the kingdom of God. The second is the treasure of your heart. We've heard clearly what is God's treasure. It's us. It's me. It's you. So let me ask you, what is the treasure of your heart? God invites us to make him our treasure as well. 
Earlier, we read the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And he had just listed off a whole lot of things that we often think about, worry about, wonder about, hope we have and hope we can depend on. We spend a lot of time praying for these things. Often, many of us spend a lot of time worrying about the things that he talks about in Matthew chapter 6. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen carefully. Let me say that one more time. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, there will your treasure be. It's where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. God made us, and he knows how we operate. He knows how we think. He knows what matters to us. He knows where our hearts go when our treasure is placed somewhere. Your heart will follow your treasure. Let me give you an example. You ever buy a a stock on the stock market and then start watching that stock every single day where you'd never even watched it before, ever before? Anybody ever do that? You've never even cared about that stock before until you buy it. And now you watch it every day to see if it's going up or down, right? Why? Why? It's what God says. It's because your, where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be. So when we give our treasure, the treasure that God has entrusted to us, to the kingdom, God knows that our heart is going to follow. Friends, this is all about relationship. When we give to the greatest gift offering in December, or when we give to the Expand the King, uh, Kingdom offering, two special offerings we do every, every year, or when you give, when you return to God your tithes and your offerings, the reason God tells us to do that is because he wants to have a close, intimate relationship with us and because he doesn't want us to get our hearts twisted around our treasure. Let's face it. Does God need your money? No. No. God doesn't need your money because he's running out of gold in heaven. Does he? God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need anything. God, in fact, sometimes I hear people say, you know, I'm going to do something for God. And I just want to say, no, you're not. You're not going to do anything for God. God doesn't need us to do anything for him, does he? He wants us to do things with him. He wants us to join him in what he's doing. Absolutely. Loves it. But he wants us to return to him what belongs to him, to give, a, to give him, to return to him the first of our money, the first of our time, the first of our talent, the first of our abilities. And he knows when we do that, we will be in a position where we will trust him for everything and the relationship with him will grow and flourish and develop and we will live a life of blessing. Friends, I don't know if you've noticed, but the world we live in is getting pretty crazy. Have you ever noticed that? If, if, unless you, you know, have you, are you living in a cave? If you, if you didn't, you know, if you're not living in a cave, you've noticed that the world is getting pretty crazy that we live in, isn't it? The political scene we live in right now is just 
nuts. Things are changing so fast. We can barely keep up with the change and the ways that things are continuing to unfold and develop. And, and I would even use the word sort of an evolution that's happening in our culture. It's incredible, crazy. We're even, we're even looking at all the ways we have to think about church differently now. We have to think about the way we manage our property differently now. We have to, we have, we've been spending time. Do you, you may not know this. You probably don't know this, most of you. I've been spending time, and some of our team has been spending time, with a, a legal firm here in the city, one of the largest legal firms, and we've been pulling churches together with this legal firm so that we can be prepared for what, the ways our culture is changing. Because I'm t- I don't take a lot of time to talk about it right now, but it's, it's, it's nuts. It is nuts the way things are changing. But you know what? I am not worried about it. In fact, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of crazy like that. Because it's an incredible opportunity. But here's the reason I bring this up, friends. You have to remember that you are God's treasure. And you, Jesus said, you don't need to be worried about anything. Can I say that one more time? You don't need to be worried about anything. You don't need to worry about the outcome of the political process right now. You don't have to worry about our economy. You don't have to worry about the climate change. You don't have to worry about anything. Why? You are God's treasure. Now, I will say this as your pastor. Will you do me a favor and yourself? And if you're worried about things or listening to things that are causing you to worry, you need to shift your focus. You need to shift your focus off the problem and put it on the Prince of Peace. I'm preaching right now. Somebody will say amen. You are are focusing on some things that you shouldn't be focused on if you're worried. If you're worried about your health, focus on Jesus. He's the healer. If you're worried about your finances, focus on God. He's the provider. If you're worried about being protected, focus on the Holy Spirit. He is your comforter and he is your protector. Shift your focus from the problem to the Prince of Peace. Shift your focus from what's going on around you and stay focused on God. And believe what he says when he tells you, you are his treasure. You think he's going to let something happen to his treasure? If you do, you're wrong. He's not going to let anything happen to his treasure. And that's why, friends, that's why he tells us that our time is so important to him, the way we spend our time. That's why he tells us the way we allocate our financial resources are so important to him. And that's why he tells us the way we manage and return to him our talent and our abilities the first, all of which needs to go to him. And when that happens, our focus will stay on him. That's what he wants because you are his treasure. So Paul, that's why Paul, when he reads, when he writes to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, each one must do. He's talking about giving here. 
He said, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Now, if your heart is focused on God, the Holy Spirit will be leading you to give what he's leading you to give. He says, and he's talking, he's not, Paul is not talking about tithing here, by the way, just to make that clear. He's talking about giving, being generous. Actually, specifically, he is talking about giving a gift as a church that's fairly wealthy, in a fairly wealthy community, giving a gift to a church in Jerusalem, which is the poorest church. Sort of an irony there, isn't it? That where it all begins in Jerusalem, they, are, they end up being the poorest. Economically, financially, they're the least wealthy Christians on the planet in this particular time. He says, don't just give what your heart is telling you to give, not grudgingly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. God gives to us cheerfully, and he loves a cheerful giver. You know, uh, as most of you know, Kathy and I have two children. They're grown now. They are married and have children of their own. When Josh, our son, uh, he'll soon turn 31, which is hard for me to believe. Uh, when he was growing up, um, getting close to being 16, he wanted to buy a car. And we found a car that was a, was a 1955 Chevrolet Bel Air two-door sedan. Josh wanted that car. And he'd been saving. He was the, he was the two of our children that saved, you know, all through growing up years, we gave them allowance and we'd help them find a lot of jobs. And jo Josh would save almost every penny. So he had, but this time he has hundreds, probably thousands of dollars. We, we at times needed to borrow money from Josh. <clears throat> Lauren, on the other hand, you know, almost four years younger, had a list of things she was going to buy as soon as she got money. <clears throat> uh, so Josh, we get to the place where he's going to, wants to buy this car. And he goes, Dad. That's the car, man. I want that car. He said, Dad, you buy the car, I'll buy the system. I'm like, I don't know. Okay, well, all right, we'll figure this out, Josh. We'll, we'll buy the car. He loved that car. It was, it, it was, it had been sort of restored, but it had a big engine that sounded really good. And he put the system in it, had big tires, you know, and um, it apparently worked out for him because it was always full of Josh and a bunch of girls in the car with him. He was, you know, pretty popular on campus. And uh, then one day after he graduated, we started hearing about this girl named Amy. And we could tell by the way he said, Amy, that something had shifted, you know. And then they got married and realized now, now financial priorities are changing. And he, comes, he came to me one day and he goes, Dad, want to buy the car? Want to buy the 55? I'm like, Josh, I already bought it once. Anybody here ever buy a car twice when your kids are involved? So uh, I said, okay, Josh. And you know what was happening? What had happened in his heart is that his treasure was starting to shift. What he treasured was shifting from the car to his new bride. So I had the car, and I thought, well, all right, I'll restore the car. Josh had picked this beautiful color. He wanted to paint it, and we were going to, you know, I, I said, I'll start to 
get the car going, restore the car, and, and you know, I sat at my shop, and we had it there. We were gonna had some plans for it. A few years later, Dave and Lauren got engaged, and and I realized, oh yeah, I'm the father of the bride. That's painful. How am I gonna do this? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll sell the car. You know why? Because my little girl is my treasure. It's one of my one of my treasures here on the planet. And she's a lot more important than a car. And the reason I tell you that is so that you can identify a little bit with what Jesus did. Because here's what Jesus did one day. He said, he looked at his heavenly father and he said, Dad, I know what your treasure is. And I want to buy for you what matters most to you. God the Father looked at his son and he said to him, but it's going to cost you everything. Jesus said, I know. I know. That's what I want to do for you because I know what your treasure is. So Jesus gave all that he had to buy the treasure and to take back what hell had stolen so that God the Father could have you and you and you and you and you. Do you see how much you're says to us now will you make me your treasure will you come to me will you allow me to rescue you will you bring me your unforgiveness will you bring me your bitterness will you bring me all your sin will you bring me everything that's wrong Will you bring to me all your worry and all your anxiety? Will you bring to me that body of yours that needs to be healed and touched by me that only I can heal? Will you bring to me what I want you so that I can give you my love, my grace? my provision, my protection, my power, my presence. Will you do that? Will you do that today? Because you are God's treasure. Will you make him yours? 
I believe God is speaking to all of us in one way or another. And some of you, I'm going to invite in just a moment to come to the altar and pray and bring to God what you need to bring to him, whatever it is. It may be a need for healing. It may be a need for forgiveness. It may be anger, bitterness, whatever it might be. I don't know what it is. At our nine o'clock service, I saw something that was the most beautiful, powerful thing. Young guy had been here at nine o'clock when I invited everyone to come during the last worship song. He and his whole family went all the way up to the foot of the cross and wept and gave their lives to God. And God gave them his grace his love the bottom of that cross will always be tear stained from that moment if that's where you want to go go to the foot of the cross but don't sit back and wait any longer or hold back any longer or withhold from God what he wants to take from you so that he can lift that burden the cares the anxieties so he can heal whatever it is he needs and wants to do for you. Don't don't withhold that from God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your truth. And thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you have demonstrated, you've said, you've shown, you've proven to us over and over that we are your treasure. And when you think of us, you think treasure. That's my treasure. It's my boy. It's my girl. It's my son. It's my daughter. Thank you for what you can do and what you want to do holy moments like these. So God, I pray you'll draw every person to you this morning to bring to you what we're carrying and to receive from you what you want to give us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Stand. Come. God's speaking to you. Now's your time to come respond to what he's saying.